Hola everybody, sorry that I'm a little late this morning. Bad hair day. I'm working on my COVID-19 hair, so uh, we're just glad you're with us and we hope that uh, the, the next few moments that, that we spend together will be a blessing to you and encouragement. And uh, and so let's just get right into it. If you have your Bibles and you do follow along when we're on, uh, on our Instagram broadcast here, uh, we encourage you to be uh, with your with your Bible so you can follow along with us. If you don't, that's fine too. But let's say a prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for those that are gathered. We thank you for your blessing and your spirit. And we ask you would open your word and that Jesus would be revealed in all things. We give him praise and honor and glory. And we bless your people, those that are listening right now and those that will listen a little later today. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen and amen. I'm going to read today out of the Gospel of St. John. We'll be in chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading at the 10th verse. John chapter 4, verse 10. And the Lord Jesus is speaking. And this is what he says. <clears throat> and Jesus answered and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From where do you have this living water? And I, I just kind of want to take from the 10th verse here that Jesus was speaking. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God. I want to set a little background here on this story. This is a, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Uh, it's the story of how the Lord, on his journey, he came to a city in Samaria. A city of Sychar was the name of it. And he comes to this well uh, called Jacob's Well. And it's at high noon. In verse 6 it says, uh, Then came he to the city of Samaria called Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus therefore being wearied in his journey, he sat on the well. <clears throat> and it was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water from the well. And Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. <clears throat> so what we see here is, is the Lord comes to this specific spot and he sits upon uh, the well. And the Bible draws our attention in verse 6 to what time it was. It's the sixth hour. It's, it's high noon. And it's, it's in the Middle East. So it's an incredibly, uh, the highest part of the day, the hottest part of the day. And... And I believe that, that this is given there so that we could learn some things as we go forward. It's interesting because it draws our attention to a particular person, this woman of Samaria. And the reason it describes her as a woman of Samaria is so that we would begin to understand, if you know some of the background here, the Jewish people and the Samaritan people, or the, the people of Samaria, they didn't like each other. They were both extremely religious groups of people. But the Jews, above all, uh, really detested the Sumerians because of their history that went way back a few hundred, maybe even a thousand years before. 
where they had broke apart and separated themselves and became the capital city of ten tribes of Israel, leaving only two tribes in Jerusalem, Judah and Benjamin. And through the years, they became incredibly worldly, incredibly idolatrous, uh, embracing the culture around them, seeking uh, to be both in and out of religion, if you will, the worship of one God, but also uh, embracing all sorts of other philosophies, ideologies, even to the point where they were creating temples and burning incense and offering sacrifices to, to, to idolatrous gods, to demon spirits, literally. And so all these years later, it had bred, without going into too much history, a real hatred between the Jews who, who claimed to be the exclusive holders of the one true religion and these Samaritan people uh, who were half in, half out, lived kind of a compromised life, even at this late date when the Lord shows up. So it's very interesting when we get to this story that he comes to this particular city, which is something that the Jewish people never would do. Whenever they were traveling through Israel, when it came up to Samaria, they would literally take the long route around so that they wouldn't have to be hanging out with these kinds of people. So it's a profound thought when we consider that this is where the Lord chose to come. And he comes to this particular well and he sits there in the heat of the day when the sun would be the hottest. And, and what this made me think about was, was because this woman comes there when we least expect it, like she did, the last thing she was going to expect to see, first of all, was a Jewish man, uh, as she viewed him. Uh, because like we discussed, they, were, they weren't supposed to be even anywhere near the city, but here he sits. And, and, and I felt like what the Lord was saying, you know, when we least expect it, God will come and sit right where we're headed to. What was she coming to get? She was coming to get water in the heat of the day. Uh, and I think that the Bible draws our attention to this extreme heat so that we could get an idea and a sense of just how thirsty this person really was. First of all, it was really kind of an unusual thing that she would show up at the well at high noon. Most of the time, the ladies wouldn't come out to get water from the well until the late afternoon when it wasn't as hot. And so what we see here really is a picture of humanity, a picture of our own souls. The fact that it's high noon indicates or teaches us that the condition of her heart, the condition of her soul was one of great need and great thirst. And so she goes to the place that she always goes to get water, to take away this, this thirst from her from her physical body, but in our case, it represents our soul, even the passions of our flesh, or even our spirit that feels dry, empty, and, and without water, if you will. And, and it's there that she goes to get where she knows the water is. And whether we understand it or not, you know, there's a place in all of us that that, that is thirsting for more, you know, uh, perceive it or not, it's there in all of us. And some people would say, well, I don't really feel like I'm that kind of a person. Well, have you ever used anything to bring joy to yourself? Anything outside the norm? Maybe it's a secret thing. Maybe it's a crutch that we have. 
Maybe it's yielding or, or leaning on many and multiple things whenever we have a need. Whether we're bored, it's to be excited. Whether we're sad, it's to be happy. Whether it's a broken heart, it's to be healed. Whether it's thoughts that you can't contain in your mind, you want the peace of mind. Whatever it may be, what do we use to, to take away those needs, to take away those longings and those things that drive us to get the water that we need to remove the thirst of our soul? And you know, that's kind of what is being taught here. Like I said, when she arrives, it's, it's the sixth hour of the day. It's the heat of the day. And sitting there on the well is the Son of God. At the well where she has come, that's where he sits. And it's really profound because how many times have we gone to other places and other things or sought for relief for the thirst of our soul or our heart or mind whatever the need may be every other place but to God but what gives me joy in this story is that she's coming in the heat of her day so we're, 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 we're witnessing a real perfect picture of humanity that's, that's at high noon if you will where the heat has borne down and literally saturated and dehydrated our life, if you will, sucked the very marrow out of life. You know, for the most part, 90, 95% of the world lives under an incredible burden. It's only the, uh, the privileged few, really, who don't know the, the plight of the common man, so to speak. You know, there's only a few who don't have to worry about the rent or paying their taxes or putting food on the table or shoes on the feet of their children. Or maybe the, the burden that they have uh, of a loved one who's, who's dying in the hospital. Whatever it may be, we could come up with a million different thoughts. But, but all of us have a tendency to go in many different directions to seek an answer just for even temporary relief. And so what draws, what brings me comfort in this sense is that there he sits on the well. It means that God initiates the outreach to us. Many times we relegate God over to the corner uh, where, where that building that has a cross on top of the roof, uh, that, that's where God is. He's over there. He's over there with those people. He's over there. But what we see is the quality and the character of the kind of God who loves us and that he comes to the well and he initiates the process. It's what he did 2,000 years ago. The Bible says he came uh, because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He came to a dry planet. <laughs> he came to this world as if he could hear the collective cry of humanity, thirsting, living, uh, born only to die, living a life of trudgery. And, and, and at the end of it, what does it all mean? I mean, he sent him to the well of this planet, if you will. And that's the picture we have here. When he comes, he initiates the process and he comes to sit almost as if he's a, an alternative obstacle to the well that we've gone to over and over and over again. And, and, and that's the picture we have. And what's really interesting in verse 7 is that the woman comes to take the water out of the well and he initiates the conversation. He says to her, give me to drink. You, could you give me some water? That's what he's asking her. 
And it's really interesting because uh, how the Lord talks to us, how God many times begins to engage with our life, uh, it's by asking something of us. And, and, he, and, and many times we don't even realize uh, that it's He that's doing the asking. You know, this can take many kinds of forms, uh, whether, it, whether it's through, uh, you know, a need that we feel or, or, or a thought we might have or, or some kind of interaction with other people. It's really Him trying to reach out to us. We just don't recognize it. And what's interesting is he, he asks the kinds of questions that are meant to, to make us ask a question of ourselves. See, because as we, you know, I won't be very long today, but as we get into this story here, we'll see that her real need wasn't a, a temporary water. Her real need was an absolute revolutionary change of the innermost part of her heart, which only he can satisfy. And we see the anxiousness and the love of God in, a, in an attempt to try and get us to reflect on the very need that she was seeking. He asks her, can you give me something to drink? And he asks it in a way that isn't easily recognizable. But what he's trying to do is to get her to, to reflect on her own need. Do I have something that I could actually give to somebody else that would take away the thirst of their soul? That's kind of what he's, he's trying to get her to think about. Because woman, as we, and you can read this later because we're not going to focus on all that, but this woman had been married five separate times to five different men, which, which he brings up to her later. And then tells her that the guy you're living in, with right now isn't even, your own, isn't even your husband. And he wasn't doing that to like, you know, down her and like convict her and condemn her. He always goes right to the source of what it is um, that we are using uh, to bring self-validation maybe, to bring some sort of uh, feeling of security or comfort in our life, whatever it may be. He said, you've been using all these external things, including coming here to this well, to take away the longing of your heart. Just some peace of mind, man. Just some joy in my life that's lasting. And so he says, do you have, can you give me something to drink, woman, uh, or man, or whoever it may be? He wants us to, to, to reflect on our own soul. Do we have something? Do we have an abundance of something? Do we have an addition to just the regular thing that is in our hearts and minds and lives? Do we have more? Is what he's asking in order for us to really come to the conclusion no we don't that's really what he wanted to begin the process of bringing her to that conclusion i really don't i really don't and if i don't then that breeds other questions like why don't i and should i and and how do i go about getting something that's that that, that transcends my own self-introspection because life works overtime if we're not careful to get us to simply focus on me myself and I and even in this question there's 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 such wisdom and depth hoping to trigger the response that 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 leads us to that place which is really toward him where we will have more than just a self-centered focus for a for almost like the hamster on the proverbial wheel that goes round and round and round do you have something that you can give me to drink? Do we have more 
than just that which draws our attention to ourself because it's a vicious cycle. We have highs, we have lows, ins, outs, ups, downs, <laughs> moments of great ecstasy followed by crashing on the rocks of despair. And we go through this over and over and over. And so he asks her, do you have something to give me to drink? And really, like I said, it's designed to reach our heart and to draw us to himself. And many times these questions will come when we least expect it. We might not even know what is going on. You know, because this was so out of the norm. This is one day him breaking into her life and, 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 and like he did in my life and those of you I know who love him, the same kind of thing. He came to our life at, at one time when we least expected. And, and then her response, uh, is very interesting to me. It's in verse 9. Her response after he said, do you have something? Give me something to drink. She she kind of changes the subject. She diverts it. And she says in verse 9, she says, how is it that me being a woman of Samaria, how is it that you being a Jew are asking me for something to drink, which I'm a woman of Samaria? Because the Jews don't have any dealing with the Samaritans. Like we were talking about earlier, that's what she said. I think her response is interesting <clears throat> because her response, it, it teaches us what most people think about God. You know, when she looked at the Jews, all she saw was, was self-righteousness and hatred, religion of such a sort that it, it kind of cut her out. It didn't even have an open door. There wasn't even a gate or even a window she could climb up and maybe peer through to look at something that might gender life in her life, in her heart, in her, in her life. And so rather than responding to the question, can you give me something to drink? She responds with a, with a different question. Why are you asking me? Because her whole mindset was, you shouldn't even be asking me. I mean, it's really, it's inconsistent. <laughs> it, 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 she has this picture of us. It's almost like a self-righteous church people, right? And she's like, why do you ask me? Uh, because that's the idea that she had of God. Many people have misconceived ideas, not based on how God really is, but how those who claim to be of God are. And so they feel like they shut you out from even having any access to God. That was her, her sense. She moved toward him. It's, it's, it's an incorrect picture of God. Many times people see God through religion, through denomination, whether it's Catholic, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, go down the list, Plymouth Brethren, whatever. Um, that's how they see God. What, what, what are you, a Plymouth Brethren, got to do with me? Or what are you, a Baptist, asking me? Or, or why are you Catholics asking me? Any, I mean, that's kind of the idea. But she didn't realize God is not a religion. God is not a philosophy. God is the creator, the savior of all mankind. And his heart is demonstrated here in this story. And by the way, he responds is really profound to me because she, she, she goes off and says, hey, you know, why are you asking me this and that and the other? And he says this in verse 10, he says, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that is talking to you and asking you to give him to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Incredible response to her question. 
He says this, he says, if you only knew the gift of God, do we ever, I mean, how many times have we all failed at this, right? God was right there. Jesus is right here. And yet we didn't see that he was present. We get so distracted by so many other things because that's how we've been conditioned to think since the time we were little. And, and life itself happens to us and, and our wounds and our hurts and our successes and defeats, all of them kind of being mixed together in a great giant stew, if you will, uh, that, that, that produces nothing concrete, nothing foundational, nothing that I can anchor my soul and my life and my destiny to. And we don't recognize that he's been there all along. He's still sitting on the well. And what's interesting, even in the tiniest measure of our interaction with him, when we bump up against the Spirit of God, she's still not drawing water, is she? She hasn't ignored him and, and put her pot down in the well and then brought the water up and went her way. It's interesting that, that her thirst doesn't seem to be there at the moment. Why? Because he's there. Praise God. <laughs> because he's there. But he tells her something. He says, if you only knew that the gift of God is sitting right here in front of you. This is amazing because it shows that God can be talking to us and we don't even know it. She didn't even know. Many times, how many times do we miss our blessing? How many times do we miss the understanding? How many times do we miss the solutions, the true lasting solutions to whatever it may be? Because we don't recognize that God has been there all along trying to reach us. How many layers of, of life are between us and the essence of the child that's really on, on the inside of us that he's trying to tap back into? and touched by his very presence. It's very interesting because he says, if you knew, you would ask. This is, this is what really happens when we have a true encounter. If you've ever had an encounter with God, or, or let's say you've ever in the desperation of, of, of just the course of your life, ever been to a place of absolute despair and what came out of your mouth, whether you're religious or not religious, was, oh God, help me. That's what he's kind of saying. If you knew, it's in those definable moments of our life where he breaks through the layers of, of distortion and suddenly, even for a moment of clarity, we sense his presence. We don't have to think about what to ask. We ask because we know that he's moved on our heart. That's what he said. If you know, you'll also know what to ask. All the clutter just kind of falls away. It's a, it's a response, spirit to spirit. It's, it's the spirit of a child in us all, that, 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 that spirit that God gave us that reaches to him, that latches onto him. I don't have to go to seminary. I don't have to open up my Bible commentaries. I don't have to hear a sermon. This is raw. If you know, if you only knew, he said, then you would ask or you would have asked. It's the response of the human heart. The Bible says God has put eternity in everybody's heart. And when eternity bumps up with eternity, eternity responds to eternity. You and I are eternal. 
And, and that's what he was trying to get to, is woman, you can come here every single day of your life, but you're still going to be thirsty over and over again because there's, there's, there's something greater that you can tap into where you'll never thirst again. That's what he goes on to say. He says you would, you would know what to ask for. If you knew you would ask, the Lord says. Notice what he says. If you knew you would also know what to ask, you would have asked for living water. That's incredible. That means that the only thing between me and the solution to, to my eternal problem is the correct question or prayer. Many times, even when we come to God, we'll ask him, fix this or do that or help me with this. And we think that that thing or this answer or that request being responded to in the affirmative is going to finally take away what I think I need. But he cuts, but, but he cuts away all that stuff and always cuts to the heart of the matter. And he says, what you need, the solution to all those things and all those requests that you have, Everything that's common to all of us, he says, is only found in me. And when you really encounter me, you won't have to think about what to ask for. You'll ask for the right thing. You'll ask for me. And I am the solution to all your problems. I am the living water. That's what he went on to say. But then she says this. In verse 11 and 12, she, she responds. She says, Sir, the well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. How are you going to get this living water you're talking to me about? Again, she kind of sees, but she doesn't. It is what we go through. It's process. You know, he's bringing her to himself. It's beautiful how he does it. And he's not insulted by her responses. But with every response comes an ever more enlightened exposure of how she thinks. The well is deep. It's almost, it's almost like a rhetorical meditative thought that she speaks out loud. Maybe she never even intended to say it. But she realizes and acknowledges really the truth is to get this water that I've come to get, it requires exceeding amount of effort. I got to go deeper and deeper every time that I come to this well. It's deep. So where are you going to get me this water you're talking about? That's what he, she tells him. And, and then her response reveals so much about how we pursue satisfaction because she goes on in verse 12 and she says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And he drank out of it and his children and his cattle. By, by mentioning Jacob, it's really interesting because in other words, what she was saying is this is what we've always done. Jacob's well, this is the past, you know? I mean, this is history here. This is how it's always done. When we need water, this is where we've always come to. Maybe you've done the same thing. You've come to the same well over and over and over looking for the same uh, you know, temporary relief. And, and, and this just kind of blows her mind because it's never entered within the realm of the scope of her life to even think that there might be some kind of alternative because I've actually settled in here, you know? I mean, I mean, it may not be the best solution. I mean, it's hot outside. I'm really thirsty. But this is the only place I know where to get the water. Are you better than this? Because at least so there's some water here. At least there's some temporary solution. At least there's some sort of relief here. In other words, what she's saying is that the places that we always have turned to our whole life, 
to ease the thirst of our soul and our hearts, whether for some perceived need or a troubled mind or a broken heart, when we re return over and over again to the places we've always been, the only thing we're going to receive is temporary relief until we're thirsty again, right? And so I thank God for what he said because her response to that, I mean, his response to what she said was really pointed. He said, listen, whoever drinks of this water, he tells her, will thirst again. But whosoever will drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give, uh, give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. It's interesting how he draws her attention to what's on the inside of her. He says, everything you do to get water is on the outside. It's external. But what I'm giving you and offering to you is internal. And it will spring up. He says, drink this water, you'll thirst again. In other words, it won't last you. That's what he's trying to get her and all of us to understand, man. However, he points her to himself as he points us today to himself. This is needed now in our world more than ever. A lot of voices out there, a lot of crazy stuff going on in this world as we all know. But the answer is not in another political philosophy or even some religious concept or some other myriad of things that, that we search for and look to, to take away maybe the fear that we feel, maybe the anxiety we're having, maybe the frustration that we're experiencing, maybe the real rubber meet the road kind of life issues that we're having. And we're looking in every single direction. And what he's trying to get us to do is to recognize the only thing that we need is him. He points us to himself and he says, whosoever drinks of the water that I give him. I love that he said that because in the word whosoever, it means he's saying nobody's barred from this water. This is an open invitation to everyone. Notice he didn't say that whosoever, you know, gets their life right and then goes to church, you know, every Sunday for the next year, then I'll give them some water. No, he didn't say that. He said... There's no requirements here. There's only one that you ask. That's all you got to do is ask, he said. And I'll give it to you. There's no effort involved. Remember what she said earlier? Man, this well is deep. You know, I got to like let the rope down and I got this big water pot here. I got, I mean, I got to exert all this effort to get something that only lasts for a little bit. And he says, when it comes to me, he says, all you got to do is ask. I'll give it to you. No effort involved. Just a holy gratitude that will not only meet your need, but meet your need forever. And it won't run out. He says, you'll never thirst. The intense need is removed and it's replaced by a peace that passes understanding. That's what he's telling her. It's not like we don't we suddenly unhook from life and we never have problems again. No, but what he's saying is the problems do not become the thing that drives you in your life or me in my life. 
to try and stop the problem, we rely on ourselves. He's saying, no, no, I will remove that from you and there'll be a sense on the inside of you like you've never known before. It's a springing up everlasting spirit of the living God that comes to take residence within the very depth of our heart and our soul. And he says, you'll never thirst again. You'll have a peace that passes understanding, something that is not defined or understood by the world around you, but you'll know because I'm in you. My spirit is in you. The water of life is in you and me. The water that I shall give him shall be in him, springing up. In other words, the emptiness is replaced. There's no more emptiness. It's in him. It's springing up. It's a constant, fresh supply. And he goes on into say, into everlasting life. A destiny of eternal life, a future of unimaginable joy, Ages without end. He's sufficient both past, present, and future. So, really, it's only one thing we need to do is to allow, ask Him for the water and allow Him to give us this water, this great salvation of our soul. Only He can. If we seek Him, we will find Him. Praise God. That's for somebody out there. All you have to do is seek Him. You will find Him. And when we find Him, we will know Him. And when we know Him, we will know exactly what to ask for. And He will give you and I an unlimited supply, sufficient and more than sufficient for our lifetime now and for a life eternal and a peace of mind and a peace of heart that nobody can take away ever, forever and ever. Ask him and he will give you living water. We love you and we pray that this word has comforted you in some way and, and we bless you and we bless your families and we pray that you have a safe week Father, I bless those that have tuned in and those that shall tune in later that you would seal this word and bear fruit in the hearts and lives of all of us. You are that living water and we ask you for that water now. For those that are listening, those that shall listen and for all our families and loved ones, bless them, Father, in all they set their hand to do. And may you make yourself real to them, realer than you've ever been. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We love you. Keep looking up.